recognize that we're doing things a little different than we normally do it, but we do want to take a moment and welcome you here uh, this morning. We are here to give honor and praise and glory to God, and my prayer is that when you leave here, your one thought is going to be, we serve an awesome God. And if you want to talk about awesome gods, there's a story that I want us to be reminded of this morning. And you know it. It's the story of David and... Ah, David and Goliath. I knew you would say that. And you know, every good Jewish (laughs) rabbi would be proud of a group of people who would say God was displayed most powerfully through David and Goliath, the story of a young shepherd boy who comes to visit his brothers and recognizes there's this giant and everybody's afraid, but David says, you know what, my God is bigger, and I'm going to use a smooth stone, and I'm going to use my sling, and I'm going to slay the giant because it's God who does it, not me. But I want to challenge you this morning. Because I want you to think about a story that's less heroic and more scandalous than the story of David and Goliath. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. We know the story of David and Bathsheba. It slipped through history, although it was somewhat of a cover-up. If you go to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, that whole story there is written out for us to see how it begins when when men, when kings go off to war, David is up on the roof of his palace. It was roofgate at that time because he saw this woman and said, wow, she's really good looking. Go find out who she is. The servant comes back and says, hey, that's... Uriah's wife, you know, one of your mighty men, and he says, bring her to me, and we know the story of how he commits adultery by sleeping with Bathsheba, and then she sends a notice to him saying, she sends a notice to him saying, wait, I'm pregnant, and David realizes that something is wrong, and he's got to try to cover up this mess, he tries to get Uriah to come back, and Uriah comes back, and we have some issues here. Uriah comes back, and he says, hey, why don't you go spend some time with Bathsheba? Uriah refuses, and finally, this is the only thing he knows what to do. He sends Uriah to the front lines. He has everybody back up. Uriah dies. So everything is good, right? But then Nathan shows up. The prophet gives a little story and basically says, you're the man. You're the one that would take something that was so precious to a man for yourself. David realizes this. And the cover-up for David is off. But this is what's interesting. We read that in 2 Samuel, right? 2 Samuel is a little bit of a history book. It chronicles the life of, of David. And even to some extent, we get a little bit of Solomon in there. But but here's what's really interesting about this, is that if you turn to First and Second Chronicles, are we familiar with First and Second Chronicles? This is really confusing, okay? Because First and Second Chronicles were written concerning the same time that First and Samuel 
They were writing about the same time, but First and Second Chronicles was written about three centuries later. Okay, they had been in exile. Babylon had come and put them in exile in 722 and 539. They're out of exile, and Ezra is the one who helps write First and Second Chronicles, and he's saying, "Here is what happened." 300 years ago with King David. And he talks about all these great exploits of King David. But guess what he leaves out? Bathsheba. Bathsheba is nowhere to be found in First and Second Chronicles. The cover-up continues on into the New Testament when we have Matthew who provides a genealogy of Jesus. Does he mention Bathsheba? No. She was a huge part of the lineage that led up to Jesus. But is she in it? No. Instead, we have Uriah's wife was in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. It was a cover-up. Nobody wanted to talk about Bathsheba and the sin that David had committed. Everyone except for David. You see, once David realized he sinned, he had a change of heart. And he wouldn't hide it any longer. I mean, that's that's what we love about David, isn't it? I mean, David does everything 100%. He is full bore all the way. He fights, he dances, he sings, he mourns, he rules, he loves, he confesses with all his heart. There is no halfway for David. He is all the way. And we're going to turn to a passage that you are quite familiar with. In fact, we sing about it often. It's in Psalm chapter 51. Listen to what David said after he realizes his situation and his sin. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Let's continue on in verse 10 of that same chapter. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain Why does he ask for that? He says, give me joy. Renew my heart. Is it so he can live out the rest of his days in happiness, free of consequences for his sin? No. This is what he wants. Listen to this. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saved me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For a time, David thought he could hide. And when he realized that his past was on him, he had two things he could do. 
He could keep killing. He could keep hiding. He could keep trying to cover up. Or he could just come clean. And he came clean, not just so he could walk out with a clean conscience, but so he could say, let me tell you about a God who takes a person who makes really bad mistakes or who gets caught in a really tough situation and he can bring good from it. That's better than David and Goliath. Because we can all rally around the idea of the little guy beating the big guy. But we can all relate to the person who's broken, who's hurting, who's caught looking into the past and thinking, what can happen from here? And David says that his story and his sin, God is bigger than my past. Amen? God is bigger than my past. And for many of us, we find ourselves staring day after day into the rearview mirror and into the mirror in our own eyes and think I'm just worthless and God can't use me. And the story of the cross of Christ is that he completely transforms lives. And that's what we're going to do this morning. This morning we have created an opportunity for people to talk about how awesome their God is through some difficult times. For those of you who are participating in the cardboard testimonies, if you will grab your cardboard and be prepared to we have been praying about this for weeks. We have been preparing about this for weeks. And we ask that you come into this ministry opportunity with great
who are not already up here, if they would come up here, and Scotty is going to lead a prayer on behalf of these stories that have been told about an awesome God. Takes an awful lot of courage. You know, it also takes a pretty big belief, faith that you know God can really change lives, no matter what condition or position you're in. And I want to thank these people that were willing to share their stories, because I mean, it really is an encouragement, I think, for for all of us. If you would pray with me, please. <laughs> God, we, uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you that your love endures forever. We thank you that uh, even though you know we stumble and fall, your grace saves us all. We thank you uh, for these uh, people that are willing to be vulnerable this morning to share some concerns and anxieties that so many of us could, could say are our own. But they're willing to stand up and say that uh, they have been redeemed and were saved by your love and your grace and how that you really can change and transform lives. Father, for that, we're really thankful. We just pray that, Father, that you would be with these people that have been so bold and willing to share with each other that you would give them some courage and comfort for the things that they have been willing to say and do. Father, I also pray that you be with us as a congregation, that we would be just open-hearted to these people, that we would be loving, that we would be caring and that we would be people that could see that lives can change. God, again, we just all understand that we're all broken. All in a different way. But we're thankful that you have given us a way to be made whole through Jesus. Help us to understand that we're all in this together. That we're walking toward home again. And that we are to encourage each other as we walk toward home. In Christ's name we pray. Obviously, we didn't have everybody come up here. There are different reasons why you may not have, have chosen to come up here or didn't have the opportunity to do so. But I, what I want us to be reminded of is that everybody here has a story. And within that story, there's a story of hurt and there's a story of triumph. But what there really is, is there is a story 
of God's love and grace that is interwoven in our lives. Tomorrow you're going to have an opportunity for those who attend to hear about God's love being displayed through the life of Wayward. I've visited a little bit with Winnie and the family earlier this week, and I told Winnie, I said, I don't know what heaven really looks like. The Bible paints a picture uh, of, of streets of gold and a crystal sea. And I said, if that's true, I can tell you I know where Wayburn is. And he has a story to tell about a God who was able to save him, not because Wayburn was good or worthy or deserving, but because of the love of Jesus Christ and what he did in our lives. Everyone has a story. I want you to listen to this in Romans chapter 10. When it talks about the fact that we are called to share our story, it says, How then can they call on the one if they have not believed? He's talking about those who are lost. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul is saying this. He said, how are the lost going to know about Jesus if people aren't willing to go and tell and share his story? We all have a story how Jesus has changed our life. We all have one side of our life that looked like this. And God turned it around. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to being in heaven, I want to be able to say that I had some pretty feet on earth. I want to be able to say that my feet were willing to walk into dark places and become very vulnerable and talk to people about how Jesus completely changes lives. I want to ask each one of you, let your life become a story of God's redemption through your words, through your action, and through your confession. Every one of us has a story. I never would have imagined that Ryan Hawkins would say, I just wanted to be accepted. I look at Ryan Hawkins and I think, could there be any better guy than Ryan Hawkins? But Ryan Hawkins has a story to tell. And his story is not about having a good family or being good looking or being smart or knowing how to drive the green on a far four. His story, and if you don't know Ryan, you need to hear this. His story is all about Jesus. May our stories be all about Jesus. For some of you this morning, you don't know that you can turn toward another. And maybe you have been stuck in the past. Let me tell you something. There is a loving and gracious and forgiving God 
who said, just come here, come home, and I will hold you and I will love you. It doesn't matter about what happened in the faraway country. What matters is that you're And we want to invite each one of you to be a part of a story that says that we have lost it. For some of you, you need to tell that story. For some of you, you need to start figuring it out. But may all of our stories talk about a God of mercy and a son who would sacrifice himself to wash away our sins. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. If you're struggling with flipping your side over and finding a new side, I want you to know that Jesus transforms your life. And you have a body of believers here who will accept you and love you and encourage you. And if you want to make that commitment today, I want to encourage you to come.